This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell, yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. WWE Clash of Champions 2019 in the books. We're here with a special edition of Top Rope Nation. I should say the final WWE pay-per-view before they start up on Fox here in a couple of weeks. So pretty big show for WWE to try to make a positive impression on the fans before they get this major deal going forward on Fox television. Major exposure uh, coming up here really soon. Kyle Ross, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing just dandy, <laughs> as a matter of fact. It's been a busy weekend for all of us, I think. It has been, yes, but uh, never too busy to sit down and talk pro wrestling with with yourself and i wish justin but um uh it'll just be us two tonight yes no justin joint tonight but kyle and ryan are here and uh we're going to talk clash of champions some of the big talking points coming out of this show normally these are bonus shows with these pay-per-view shows that we do for patrons of the show uh, but we thought this week because we didn't put out our, our typical thursday night show we all of us just had a ton going on this week but we wanted to put out something for all the listeners um so we're just a couple days late here but we've got this show going out to the world on our regular feed looking at clash of champions if you want to hear our thoughts uh on wwe pay-per-views moving forward just after they end if you want to get all of our classic content where we review uh, shows from the past top rope nation classics that show is exclusive to patreon as are these extra shows check us out over at patreon.com slash top rope nation get all the bonus content you support the show in the process we're working hard to put good content out for you and and the existing patrons they love it. We've got a lot of great positive feedback yes. on uh, especially these classic shows that we've been doing uh, lately, whether it was uh, WCW Super Brawl 2 last month, whether it was the uh, WWF Backlash 2002 show that we did just a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of great content over there. You can only get access through patreon.com slash Nation. So what you're getting tonight is a little bit of a preview of uh, what you get as a patron of the show, but we're, we're letting the world in on this one, Kyle. So, uh, this will be, this will be ready for you on your drive to work on a Monday morning or maybe even Sunday night. If you're staying up late, we bring it. <laughs> we always bring it. We, we bring it for patrons. And yeah, I, I, we were just talking off air before we hit the, the record button. Those last two top rope classics episodes are probably some of our finest work. In my opinion, They're, they literally may be 
two of our top five shows just in general we've ever done, whether it's the regular feed that goes out to the world or the Patreon feed. So yeah. uh, I think you're missing out if you're not getting I, it. You know, try it out for a month. See if just check out the back catalog. See what you think. I liked our WrestleMania preview episode, too. That would be up there as that well. That's true. That was a, that good, was a good one. one. Yeah. And then. For all you historical buffs out there wondering what's coming up next, the next episode of Top Rope Nation Classic, we will be reviewing the first ever episode of WCW Monday Nitro in preparation for AEW's t- uh, debut on TNT. Yeah, we got a we got a new era of uh, weekly wrestling wars on the horizon, the Wednesday Night Wars. So why not go back in time to the Monday Night Wars? That's what yeah. we're going to do. So that one will be, of course, exclusive to Patreon, our, our classic show. So you can check it out here before the end of the month. So get signed up, and uh, you can hear that show and all of them in the archives. Um, so, Kyle, I guess just general impressions of Clash of Champions tonight. <laughs> um, I got to say, when I turned it on and was watching the show, I felt like that crowd, they had a good crowd there. Uh, it looked like they sold a lot of tickets. It was pretty full from the from the shots I was seeing from people I follow on Twitter that were at the show, shout out to Michael Wiseman, who I follow on uh, on Twitter, and he's kind of a wrestling journalist. I think he's with Wrestling Inc. now. He was pumped to be there live. It seemed like the Charlotte crowd was pumped. Um, but the show itself on television, I thought, was a, it was a pretty average pay-per-view. I wouldn't say bad, but, uh, man, if I'm grading this, like we, what we usually do is we throw it around the horn here. We give the show an A through F grade. I think this one, for me... Uh, it's probably coming in around the uh, C to C minus range. What, what would Oof. you say, Kyle? I think it was a little bit better than that because, and if, by the way, this is, of course, usually a patron-only gimmick, and so you might be hearing this for the first time. Ryan said we always like to throw it around the horn for grade. Um, I am notorious for always somehow avoiding giving a show a grade uh, because I... <laughs> I Kyle I, accepts I the incomplete in. on his report card. <laughs> yes, I always, I always like to think about it. You know, Six months from now, I'll tell you what the grade is, but... Um, I feel it was higher than that. Um, Okay, so I jokingly on my notes for the show when we were going to preview it and ultimately didn't, but I I jokingly called the show Bunch of Belts instead of Clash of Champions. Mm -hmm. And I feel that's kind of like a ha-ha way of just, you know, kind of pointing to my just how not emotionally invested I was in a lot of these matches. You know, the whole gimmick of Clash of Champions is every title in the WWE is defended. Well, most of them are defended on your average WWE pay-per-view. Not all of them. True. But, like, what do we always say on most WWE pay-per-views? God, there's a lot of title matches. Mm -hmm. And not with one exception, there weren't a ton that I was really fired up to see going in. The one exception being uh, Becky and Sasha. And I think that hurt this show, that I just wasn't emotionally invested going in. Now, that's not necessarily unique to the show when it comes to WWE, but kind of to what you were saying, they didn't do a lot on this show to make me, you know, kind of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There, there was a low bar, and I don't know if they did a lot to exceed it, really. Yeah, I would agree. I, th- I think the show ended, and we'll get into this in a little bit, yeah. with, with the Bray Wyatt stuff. That was really good. I thought the show ended in a cool way, um, but 
I just felt it was pretty average throughout. Um, and if you're looking to make an impact going into the Fox debut, I'm not sure that the show succeeded. Yeah. But it, it was it was obviously it was a fun show for the people in the crowd. Uh, the crowd stayed into it pretty well throughout. I felt. Yeah. Um. It wasn't like the most rabid crowd you'll ever hear. But I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they got they're tired were... late. I mean, the show was. Yeah. Well, I mean, they <laughs> were into Becky. They were into Becky and Sasha for oh, sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. You know. It's funny, and my hottest of takes might be reserved for the whole Seth Braun um, two-match scenario. Um, At least I think they're my hottest of takes. But, you know, I feel that whole program is kind of indicative of how WWE books. You know, so so you've got this clash of champions gimmick where, okay, and going back to what I said, I don't want to repeat what I just said three minutes ago, but I'll paraphrase. All right, every title's on the line. Oh, my goodness. What an event. Well, WWE, it's credit, probably was like, well, that's, is that really that awesome? <laughs> you know, like they were kind of looking at it and being like, is this really a great gimmick? You know, or, you know, you just look at it. We're just sort of pointing attention to that we have too many titles. Um, and they did not have like some super title program to headline here, obviously. You know, they had, you know, Seth had, we think, finished off. I mean, Brock's coming back, obviously, but Seth and Brock is a dead issue. So Seth really didn't have a challenger. We talked about that on our SummerSlam post show recap. You and I, Ryan, I remember. Uh, Patrons can check that out. So Braun was kind of just thrust into this situation out of nowhere. And somebody had the idea. I, I, I paused there to say bright idea. I don't know if it was a bright idea, but it was an idea. What if the world title match was two guys who wrestled earlier as a tag team. And I feel that's just the kind of booking you get when it's week to week, month to month. Because mm-hmm. they, they, there was no, I mean, Kofi and Randy was kind of built over time, but, you know, just a couple months. There just wasn't this huge title match to point to here. So I just feel it's like, all right, well, what do we do for this show? Hey, Seth and Braun, that's kind of a cold issue. Well, what if we had to win the tag titles? And then they went into the show as tag champions. And then they also wrestled for the world championship. It sounds kind of neat on paper, but as we'll get into here uh, in execution, it left a lot to be desired, quite frankly, not just tonight, but over the last several weeks when I thought, you know, they were second fiddle to uh, AJ styles in several segments and certainly Steve Austin and MSG. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. No argument here. I think you're, you're definitely onto something. That's why I thought this was a pretty average, show when when you're when your feature title match is uninspired it's it's hard for me to give the show anything but above average wwe and we've said this before i feel a lot (laughs) is a promotion bereft of a legit main event angle Mm -hmm. you know what we were texting you know sometimes our we just text about so many random things and it, it gets me excited sometimes a lot more excited than wwe programming often does uh we were we were talking about the last week of August 1986, WWF and how much money they made. Mm-hmm. Like Hulk Hogan, like you know, I hate to sound like a grandpa, but like Hulk Hogan, Paul Orndorff, that's a main event program. Yeah, you know, I mean, this Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman, I mean, it's just <laughs> didn't care going in, and you know, I'll reserve my takes for what we have going out. <laughs> I'm also thinking of that tweet I retweeted earlier today. Of uh, when they had Brett and Sean for King of the Ring, and then it got canceled. I mean, is is Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins, the kind of match that kids are clamoring for? Like, ah, oh, we got to sign up for the WWE Network immediately. I can't miss this match. 
because someone someone had tweeted out the picture of how Brett and Shawn Michaels yeah. were going to wrestle at King of the Ring 97, and I quoted it with my story about how back then I would get one pay-per-view a year. My parents would let me get one pay-per-view a year, and when they announced that match, I immediately told my parents, that's that's a pay-per-view I want. It's Brett and Shawn. You know, I got to see it. First match since the Iron Man match. We immediately went out, and we got the uh, cable box rented, and then they canceled the match. <laughs> you know, that was so you bummed. You got Undertaker my- Farouk. Hey, yeah. And Sean and Steve ended up being a pretty pretty fun match, but Yes, plus. Outside of that, it wasn't much of a pay-per-view and no, I, terrible. I, we had already we already rented the box. My dad had already hooked up the TV. We weren't going to take it back. So I mean, I had already cashed in my So you pay-per-view. had to still rent boxes in 97? Yeah, we didn't have a cable box. So we had to go wow. get it. I mean, we had cable, but it came just through the wall. We had the 70, 80 channels or whatever, but we didn't need a, a digital box for that. Oh, um, wow. we need the we needed the little black box to get the pay-per-views unscrambled. So uh, since we had already rented it and went across town to get it and hooked it up, after they canceled the match, my dad's like, well, I mean, we're getting it. <laughs> so we watched it. <laughs> well, and, but what I'm saying is like... like and to, then the next month, Canadian Stampede happened. And I should have waited one more month. Yeah. But like I'm saying, and it's indicative of your point. They don't have, yeah, that angle that kids are like... Yeah, I gotta see it. You know, you, you yeah. or at least that that you can imagine. I'm not a, I'm not a teenager anymore, but well, yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's like you when I watch WWE, I sort of just watch it for I don't want to say random. That's not fair, but like just who happens to turn in a good individual performance on a weekly basis? Because there's obviously we know a lot of talented performers in this promotion. Yeah, but the booking's not very linear. Um. You know, we'll talk about when we get to Roman and Rowan and that whole situation. You know, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but at least it's like a wrestling angle where you sort of need to pay attention on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, that used to sort of be the norm in wrestling. Like, I just feel like a lot of WWE, yeah, you can watch it. And, you know, I, I think New Day Revival, we'll, we'll touch on that here in a few moments. Tonight is a good example. Two. Great, very good tag teams had a very good professional tag team match. But like, if you didn't, if you don't ever see this match and you already know the revival and the new day are good, unless you're a completist, your life will be okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just feel, you know, that that's the thing. There's just, there's not a, a, a real, although the show ended on a high note, like you talked about tonight, but there aren't a lot of hooks to keep that really, keep you going um in my opinion yeah i would agree absolutely um so should we run through the card let's do it all right so the the pre-show two matches everyone was talking about how aj styles was on the pre-show <laughs> uh, that was the second match on the pre-show we started off with the triple threat cruiserweight title match lince dorado Humberto carrillo and drew gulak gulak retained um looks like you know I guess we could say it's your your typical good cruiserweight match, usually re- uh, relegated to the pre-show. Uh, what did you think of this one, Kyle? Okay. My notes for the preview of this show read as follows. Should be solid. We'll draw a couple oohs and ahs, but then it'll be over, and they'll be set back to 205 Live Purgatory. <laughs> and my final verdict after watching this is, yep, pretty much what I said. Yeah. Uh, it was fine. I like Drew Gulak a lot. I've made no secret of that. I think he's very good. I think there was no justification to take the title off him. Um, 
you know, we said this before, positive 205 existing in its own universe, no Vince. Negative <laughs> is the majority of the live crowd just doesn't really react to these guys. And if they do, they don't react to them as stars. It's just like they react to a spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets kind of sad because Gulak is one of my favorite performers of the entire promotion. Not just 205 Live, the entire promotion. That's how much I like Drew Gulak. Um, and Triple H, of course, had, I think, you know, if anything, when you talk 205 Live, the interesting thing right now is Triple H's comments during the week, which were misinterpreted by some, um, that, you know, 205 Live is going away. I just think um, that's not what he said at all. I think it seems that 205 Live may be integrated into some other platforms, meaning shows. And that's good. I think you do have to expose these guys. Mm-hmm. I actually think having a, a 205 Live cru- slash Cruiserweight match on Raw is a good idea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, just... I mean, it was MSG, the alleged home of the WWE. I mean, by God, those people were heading for the exits, you know, like they were giving out money outside the, outside the arena. <laughs> Holy God in heaven. Yeah, it's always been unfortunate because, yeah, some of their most talented performers are on that, I guess, brand, we could call it. But uh, the general audience just doesn't watch it. Yeah. If, I mean, and if, it- if you look at NXT, we've always talked about it on the show how NXT, the amount of, of the general WWE audience that watches NXT is, is pretty small. And then imagine what it is for 205 Live. Yeah, it's even smaller for 205 Live. Yeah. And, you know, I got to say, you know, a lot of times we talk about these matches. Is, ah, it's a damn shame that, you know, um, people don't care more about these guys. This was, like, not, like, the best pre-show 205 Live match we've had in recent months. Hmm. You know, I think I liked... Uh, the previous two better there there was a triple threat two months ago i feel it was gulak and nice were involved i can't remember who else was and then gulak and nice wrestled again um in the summerside pre-show i liked both of those better than this yeah you got your 205 live scorecard at home <laughs> um so the finish of the match it looked like carrillo might have it one uh dorado went to the top for a shooting star press carrillo moves Creo drops him with a kick. He hits the Aztec press out of the corner. Looks like he might be on for the victory. And then in comes Gulak out of nowhere, throws him to the ring post, gets the victory. So good match, but again, impactful, probably not on the general audience. I got to put these guys in a more featured spot. Well, I mean, you just got to get them on TV more so that people who know they are. Again, it's about emotional investment. When wrestling works, it's fine. We said this before. People. It's an equation that, quite frankly, and, you know, people want to pick on the WWE, but I think a lot of, you know, a lot of modern wrestling suffers from not, at least with me, suffers from, it. Does, you need to get me caring going in and then deliver, you know, the match itself or angle needs to deliver. There, there's two parts of the equation and, you know, um, my, you know, for me, emotional investment in wrestling sometimes, um, you know, I look around on the Twitter sphere and I'm I'm not as emotionally invested as some others are in different things. What would you say is the last storyline oh, that really got you emotionally invested in pro wrestling? Not to like completely go off the oh, wall here, but boy. why not? The last time like I was fuck. by Daniel Bryan? Yeah, I same. Uh, you know, well, you know what? I'll say this. Um I mean that like on a big time level, yes, Daniel Bryan. I remember I was pretty freaking fired up when Kevin Owens beat Cena in his debut. Yeah. 
I was Kevin Owens' fired... early days on the main roster were pretty Yeah, awesome. I, I was pretty fired up for that. Um because they got me in, and, and like the whole thing was like, yeah, God, I hope they don't beat him his first match in. That'd be very bad. And then they did. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of like something where I cared going in, and it absolutely, like, totally delivered in this way where I was like up on my feet, like pacing. Like, come on, come on. I, uh, main like main roster WWE. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a while. I mean, yeah, everyone, sure everyone always, I feel bad. Some people are going to like shit out. Oh, what are you fucking assholes? I'm sure there's <laughs> something in the last four years where that I, I've been emotionally invested. But nothing has really touched, though. Like for me, there's been little stuff like when the horsewoman got called up to the main roster. That was pretty awesome. Um, Becky, obviously, when she caught fire yeah. last fall. Yeah. Um, but to the level of like Brian's push and him finally getting the big moment at mania or if you go back further the cm punk pipe bomb stuff everyone talks yeah. about that that brought a lot of people back that were old fans i mean those two i'd say brian and punk were the last times like i was really heavily invested yeah, I mean, emotionally and again it goes back to both sets of the equation like okay yeah becky there was that incredible night she had on raw which where she got hurt and then there was no match ironically with ronda you know that was supposed to be building to a match with ronda um and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, you know, that's it. It goes again, what I said earlier that, you know, you'll see those great individual performances on a show, but they don't, they aren't often sustained on a weekly basis. Yeah. No. And that's what, the, that, that's the difference between being a good performer and being like a star, like a star, like, you know, you can go back, watch like 1997, 1998. Like this is an unfair example to basically to any, every single person on the current main roster, but like Steve Austin, over every week. People into them every week. Yeah. You know, and you just don't have that consistency, I feel, with any performer. Because, like, how many times are we talking, oh, is this person cooling off? <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like we do that with, like, everybody. Because mm-hmm. of a two-week lull. Yeah, that's and maybe true. We're, and maybe we're just being assholes. Maybe we're wrong. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Never. Never, yeah. Kyle. We wouldn't do that. Speaking of assholes, let's talk about the people whining about AJ Styles being on the pre-show. <laughs> and I was going to say, too, I guess when AJ jumped from New Japan, I mean, that was that was pretty emotional. It was cool to, to actually finally see him on WWE television after, you know, over a decade of thinking you'd never see him there. So yeah. um, here he is on the pre-show, of course. But, geez, AJ was – I don't think he can complain too much. I, I get a little bent out of shape when people say, oh, AJ Styles have done done him wrong. Like, the dude had one of there the was longest really title runs. Tweet. This guy's got to go to AEW right now. No. I, I mean, what unreal, what kind of tinfoil hat shit is that? Look, I, mean, I, mean, I don't think card placement is by the way, that oh, big of a deal unless you're constantly on the pre-show. Hold on, hold on. I just thought of something. I can't let this go by because I'll forget it. You talk about the tinfoil hat club. I mean, the most tinfoil hat tweet I've seen in wrestling history. I wanted to talk about this. There was no show on Thursday. I was going to bring this up. Did you see the tweet? It was on Monday night when Roman brought the um, the Connors Cure kids out. And somebody tweeted, not anyone I follow, but people who I follow picked up on this somehow and retweeted this, said, WWE missed out on a great opportunity by not by uh, not having the fiend come out and attacking the kids. Oh my god! 
Are you freaking kidding me? I was like, is this? And, and the worst part about it is the guy's Twitter handle was 2020 Democrats. Dude. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to freaking go back to a secret ballot, baby. How How many sponsors would they have lost if they did that? This is a publicly traded company. Oh, man. That is bad. That's really the bad. fuckers talking about dropping Sister Abigail on kids with cancer. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. No chance. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that that is that's really bad. But uh with AJ here, it's also really bad I think to complain too much about this and if it'd be one thing if AJ was on the kickoff show every single month on these pay-per-views. But this is a guy who was the WWE champion month after month after month. It's very clear they see him as one of the faces of the company. Uh, was just in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin? Right. I mean, and, and and unlike many people on the current roster, did not seem outclassed or out of place. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, you had Seth and Braun stand in the back. They might as well have been like, you know, the fifth and sixth turnbuckle during that segment. <laughs> but you know, AJ's going face to face. I mean, for God's sake, if you would have canceled Seth and Braun, if they would have come out in the middle of Raw last week and said, folks, Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman is no longer happening. The new main event of Clash of Champions is AJ Styles versus Steve Austin. Would one person have been upset? No. Besides Seth Rollins? I mean, like, <laughs> seriously. I mean, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, point taken, for sure. Uh, AJ got the clean win. Cedric Alexander, I mean, this is a guy. He, Yeah, he does have a high ceiling. I don't think... What do you think his ceiling is, though, in WWE? Intercontinental U.S. champion. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, this this is the the type of feud that is probably prime Cedric Alexander. Uh, yeah, great performer, but uh, maybe great is too strong. Very good. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I, you know that said though, I I didn't think this match did much for him at all. Um, if anything, shame on me. Um, I was pretty disappointed by this. Um. I was optimistic going into this match. Um, I ac- actually had in my pre-show notes that this could end up being one of AJ's better pay-per-view matches. And I had noted that, you know, you got to remember, it's been a lot more mediocre from him than great over the last two years on mm-hmm. pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, Cedric had done a good job with the chances he'd been given on TV matches against uh, McIntyre and Baron Corbin. Did not think he had much of a chance of winning here. Still, I, I thought that the finish of this match was Unforgivable is probably too strong, but, you know, having AJ hit him with the Styles Clash, roll him in, pick him up at two, and then just kind of finish him off. Like, no one was buying, like, no one bought Cedric's babyface comeback, I don't think, his mm-hmm. minor babyface comeback. I, I just, that's not the way I would have laid this out. Um, I did like the start of the match with Cedric hitting the Michinoku driver, although, I don't know if you've noticed this, WWE agents have gotten real trigger happy, and we're going to talk about this in a later match, with the immediate near fall. You know, I remember, I can't remember the first match where they started doing it. It was a couple weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, maybe even a little longer than a month. But like, it's kind of been a recent trend over the last month, I want to say, where a match will start, somebody will hit a big move for a near fall. And it's happened a lot. Like, the first time it happened, I was like, whoa, that was really cool. And I feel the agents have gotten real trigger happy with that. They did it also in the uh, Bailey 
Charlotte match on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's what it's just like anything WWE. You find something that kind of gets people going, and then you just run it into the ground. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, if you want to showcase Cedric Alexander, you got to give him more than five minutes. So yeah, I, <laughs> very I, brief. The way, here's like the way this match was laid out and how little it did for Cedric. I am completely 102% fine with it being on the pre-show. Yeah. Because, frankly, not a lot of people saw it. Mm-hmm. So. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of all, you know, on TV. Cedric Alexander, remember how valiantly he fought against AJ Styles at Clash of Champions, which <laughs> really means nothing. Um, so then the pay-per-view starts. We get, right away, Seth and Braun defending the Raw Tag Team titles, which... I guess predictable since they're going to be in action twice on the show and uh, Rude and Ziggler. Now, when we did our preview of this over on comicbook.com where I write, I figured it makes the most sense for them to drop the titles here since they're wrestling each other later. But at the same time, it really seems like an underwhelming team to be dropping the tag team yep. titles too because it's a team out of nowhere. I know we, we bash Ziggler a lot on the show, but... As we should. If you got if you got Seth Rollins, your universal champion, who's defeated Brock Lesnar clean twice this year, with Braun Strowman, a guy who's been pushed near the top of the card for a couple of years now, and they're they're gonna drop their tag team titles to a makeshift team like this, it just seems like kind of a lost opportunity. I don't know. But that's exactly what happened. So they dropped the titles, uh then they argue afterwards about who's to blame. The match got about 10 minutes. What were your impressions, Kyle? I was stunned by the finish because it was just basic babyface miscommunication. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I figured that this would be less of a match and more of an angle to set up the main event. And it really wasn't. Yeah. Okay. They each cut an interview afterwards, you know, where, Braun blames Seth because he took the pin and Seth's like, no, we lost as a team. Shockingly little um, in terms of adding intrigue. Yeah. Uh, just, just, I mean, it, it was just, it was so empty, which I guess just speaks to this program and I'm going to get into a lot of it. Um, I, I just really thought that there would be, you know, something, some outside the box idea that would, make me more interested in the main event. And it was like, nope, they just lost. And okay, well, they'll, they'll be wrestling later. And, you know, Bobby, look, I know that you didn't, they probably didn't want to beat Strowman twice in the same night. But, you know, you kind of talked about it. This Seth Rollins, you know, he's you know, got some takes on him later too. You know, but you put him over Lesnar twice this year. He's your champion. And you have him lose to Bobby Roode. Pardon me, Robert Roode. <laughs> I, I feel that this is... You know, it's funny that the one thing I think a lot of fans, a lot of podcast types, I should say, not necessarily fans, but um, yeah, those who podcast, those who, you know, scrutinize online. A lot of one of the most referenced things was that random ricochet loss to Robert Roode earlier in the year. Like, think how much we forget that happens in WWE, and I'm still talking about that. What? (laughs) Five months later, mm-hmm. at the time, remember, I was like, "How stupid is this? No one thinks Robert Roode's going to get pushed down the line." Yeah, and he really wasn't for five months until they came up with this makeshift tag team with him and Dolph, and he pinned Seth Rollins. <laughs> so one would imagine that between now and Hell in a Cell, Seth Rollins is going to be pinning Robert Roode on television. Yeah, to, just to get, but 
you know, here's my thing with this match. I, I, there was an argument against both sides winning. This is kind of to your point. With Seth and Braun, the argument against them winning is, well, obviously this was not a long-term tag team. It was only set up because of the main event tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, them having some sort of miscommunication was an easy excuse for losing. I had that in my pre-show notes. But the argument against Dolphin Rude is, you know, do you really want two of your top babyface stars you know, losing to these two losers? <laughs> exactly. And the other thing is it telegraphs your main event because, like, whoever takes the fall is clearly not going to also lose in the main event. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like I said, okay, <laughs> Seth lost here because they didn't want to beat Braun twice, but like it also kind of telegraphed that Seth was probably winning. And truthfully, I didn't think Braun had much of a chance anyway. And here's the thing. If you want to do a makeshift team, like it's just a lot better options than Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Mm-hmm. Especially this Dolph. This is a guy, again, who has done two sub 30-second jobs on pay-per-view in the last four months alone. <laughs> and you're just supposed to, oh, well, you know, that was just whatever. But he, I just, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. Um, I don't believe that this makeshift team will be any kind of, you know, and again, joke could be on me, I guess, because, look, there's two tag team titles. Um, you know, they got a couple, but... I just don't think this is going to be a seriously pushed act, and I don't think they're going to get over. No. If they do, I'll be the first one to admit that I was wrong. But I, you know, Bobby Roode's a great tag team wrestler, by the way. Mm-hmm. His best work on the main roster was him, him and Gable. Um, so I'm not saying tag team is a bad spot with Robert Roode. I just think two guys that have been beaten in the ground, beating your two top baby faces, relatively clean. I'm sorry. For me, that's that's a relatively clean finish. I know there was a little baby face miscommunication with, you know, Strowman hitting Rude into Rollins, but that's by 2019 standards a relatively clean finish, and this didn't work for me. I, I was stunned at the finish of this match. Not necessarily that Rollins and Strowman lost, but just how little of an angle it really was. Mm-hmm. I think the fans in attendance were stunned at how quickly the next match went, the SmackDown women's title match. Uh Eager to hear your take on this one, Kyle. Well, my take is, um, I could say, yeah, I was a little surprised by how short it was, too. But given, you know, some of my verbiage on this program over the last months, I probably, you know, short matches is not something I should be complaining about. Yeah. (laughs) This one was really short, though. Uh, It's three minutes and 45 seconds, according to Wikipedia's timestamp on the match. Um, That's like like your average WrestleMania 5 to 7 undercard match. Those years, you know? <laughs> yeah. Texas uh, Tornado Dino Bravo, I think, almost got as much time as this thing did. <laughs> so the finish saw Bailey had exposed one of the turnbuckles, and she sends Flair into it and uh, covers for the pin, and she hightails it out of there. So continuing with this new wrinkle of, of Bailey's character of being kind of a pseudo-heel, I guess you could say. Uh, she does, she really hasn't gone full heel, but she's in, she's essentially a heel at this point. Yes. Well, uh, I mean, she and when she does go full heel, they're gonna have to do something with that entrance. Yeah. They're her theme because it's a total babyface entrance. Obviously, it's just um, you know, I think they're gonna have to tweak or or do something with it. Yeah. So I mean, not much to talk about here. Yeah. Kind of a surprise but, finish, quick match. Everyone was stunned, but uh, they did yeah, what they needed what, to do. I I didn't I didn't think after they after they switched Bailey's character, 
I mean, initially when we started talking about this eventual match, we we talked on the show about Charlotte's got to win, right? Because Bailey that, was, that was so after flat. SummerSlam, yeah. Bailey was so flat. But once they finally switched Bailey's character, you know, then we kind of reverse. It's not the time to well, take the title off. Yeah, well, her. yeah, you can't. You, you got to legitimize this new character. Yeah. yeah, you can't beat someone right after they turn it. Well, you, well, WWE sometimes does, but you, you shouldn't. Is is I guess. Uh, the correct thing, you know, I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter having fun with the video of Bailey running. That was kind of a, a hoot while mm-hmm. I was watching the show. Uh, you know, this going short was probably not a bad idea, and I'm going to tell you why. The Bailey heel turn, while it was the right call, it was something you know on this program we've been calling for for over a year. Uh, quite frankly, year and a half, I, I, to be exact, year and a half, yeah. yes, to be exact. Um, her turning. Render this essentially a heel versus heel match. And, you know, I, I think WWE was probably like, all right, well, Charlotte, okay, obviously from the Queen City. But I don't know how much the crowd was going to invest in her as a baby face in like as a one night only type deal here. Mm-hmm. So I just think when you have that heel versus heel dynamic, you don't want a match like that to go too long. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to hate on this being short um you know charlotte i don't think they had there was any and that's the thing too if it goes long and it's dramatic and charlotte's getting this baby face reaction well then what's the future of her character and i guess there still is i mean she was kind of cheated here i guess you know but i just i don't care that this went short I, i don't at all same so yeah well, you know what later on we'll talk about it but i i thought for sure when becky and sasha went into the concession area that Bailey was going to be like after her running thing was going to be like up there or something, but that did not turn out. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That did not turn out to be. That yeah. Way. That would have made sense. Um, tag team title match, the revival and the new day. We got a title change here. The revival, get the win submission on Xavier woods, cringing in pain. Uh, what'd you think of this one? So there wasn't a lot, Going in here, as far as build, it was just kind of a backdrop to the Kofi Orton feud. Uh, but you kind of figured it would be a good match, and it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that there was a good chance we could see the titles change hands just for the sake of it, because I, I, I was not predicting a lot of title changes on this show. So, you know, it's kind of one of those deals if you're like, yeah, you're on the fence. Well, maybe they just change it for the sake of changing it. Um, and we get a title change here. I think, honestly... This may have been the best showcase for the revival on the main roster. I could see that in terms of what they can do, mm-hmm. you know, um, and what kind of tag team they are and what kind of act they are. Now, I was a little disappointed in the heat for the match live. I, I didn't, you know, based on the work they were doing, I would have liked to see it be a little more heated. Um, you know, Big E taking most of the match because they injured Woods knee or they had worked on Woods' already injured knee early and taken him out of the equation. That was good because Biggie got a chance to shine. Again, allow me to be the, you know, this is kind of the 750th time that I'll mention Biggie really deserves a nice <laughs> singles run uh, at some point. Loved the finish here. Again, even though it didn't really get the heat it deserved. You know, I think the whole thing with the Revival just choosing to, you know, they had him beat. They had Woods beat, but they chose to, you know, hit the trailer hitch uh, and get the sub. And I liked the whole bit pulling back on the ropes with the teeth so he couldn't do it. Just taunting him. Uh, good stuff from the Revival. Two very good tag teams. 
a good professional wrestling match. And I assume now, unless if there's a title change in the next couple of weeks, the revival will be a SmackDown act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, on our comic book preview, I picked this one to be the match of the night. I was going th between this one and banks and Lynch. And, uh, at this point I was feeling pretty good about that prediction, but, uh, ended up liking banks and Lynch better, but mm -hmm. it was a good match. It was a good this match. Was, this was the second best match on the show. Yeah. Um, and so that brought us to the women's tag team title match. And uh, we had Bliss and Cross defending against Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. A couple things to note here. Alexa Bliss rekindles the Harley Quinn look uh, for the match, which everyone was talking about on Twitter. Uh, and also, Bliss is just so over with the crowd. And not just the character, but uh, this crowd was chanting Lexi. Not Alexa, not Shoot Bliss, names. but Lexi. Go ahead. No, I said shoot names. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, going, I mean the, the person, it's not the character that's over, it's the person. And I think you can point back to that, um, maybe to that documentary they did on her, um, yeah. where they, you know, they talked about her eating disorder and all that. If people didn't know that story, I think uh, that got a lot of people on her side. But uh, well, it seems like she is a nice person. Yeah. Well, that's know, what I hear from people. people I mean, people I haven't had interviewed noted her. That, that, like, it was kind of tough to her, for her to be healed, you know, like, you know, she wasn't really like, like she would like, like on Twitter, even when she was a heel, like, you know, she would just be like, you know, hugging a pig and, you know, <laughs> talk about going to Disney all the time. I've heard that. So I haven't, I've yeah, not interviewed her, good. but from people I know that have interviewed her say like unequivocally, she's like the nicest person they've ever interviewed. I would love to interview her on the show. I mean, we've been touting her going back to 2016, predicting that mm -hmm. she was going to be the next big thing in the women's division. <laughs> when nobody was really talking about that when she first came up from NXT. I mean, we were on the bandwagon very early. It's funny that you know we always talk about how these acts are over on NXT and then they come up to the main roster and it kind of just goes to hell sometimes. Alexa is like kind of the exact where she was not like this heavily pushed act in NXT. Just kind and of then a, she comes I mean, she to the main roster. A little, but just a, yeah, just a valet for the most part. Yeah, and she comes to the main roster and just clicks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it became very evident very quickly. I was very vocal on the show yes. and early on, 2016, go back in the archives, that she had the whole package because she was so good on the mic. That's what really hooked me you on the character. You have to set yourself. Yes. And, and how many times we talk about that's such a weakness? Mm -hmm. you know, memo to Paul, you know, get some of these. You know, it, it's not just about, you know, letting these guys do their matches. And so everyone can you know, blow smoke up your ass about how you're letting these guys, you know, all your little indie toys wrestle. You know, you need to be working on these people's promos because 90% of the people who come through NXT, I'll be, I mean, granted, okay, we, we know the way promos are done these days, but it's, you know, some people can deliver it. Alexa's getting handed scripted promos mm -hmm. just like the rest of them. And she delivers them better. You know, 90% yeah. of the people who come through NXT, I'm sorry, I don't mean to, you know, pardon my French here, but are absolute dog shit on promos. <laughs> if, if you look up and down the people that were on this card, you can make the argument she's the best character actor in the entire company. As far ah. as, I mean, look at look at the people on the card. As far as promos go, she is she's up there for sure. Yes. Um, she is by far the best uh, promo in the women's division. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. It's it's not close. I don't think so. Um, they retained. I think the team is good. We, we we talked a lot about 
where they were going to go with this, the eventual split. We thought they would do it very quickly the way it played out initially, but now they're really leaning into this team. Yeah. And Once uh, they didn't do it real quick, then it became a deal where they needed to, you know, go the distance with it. Yeah. And they're going to, they're going to run with it for a while. I think they're a good team to have the belts on because bliss obviously is a major star in the division. Uh, it's helping get Nikki crossover. And so, um, although I do think Mandy and Sonya have a lot of potential, both of them, and they're doing a way. nice high, low, the old, you know, kind of their spin on total elimination. They, they've got that move down pat. It looks nice. Yeah. It's, uh, this is the right decision, though, right now. I mean, yes. clearly. So, um, no problem with this. Nine-minute match, Bliss and Cross retain. You know, you kind of pointed out the main thing for me, um, the Alexa factor. Mm-hmm. WWE likes her, and they're always going to have something to do for her. So, I figured they would retain. They did. Um, I have no idea who the next contenders will be for the title. But they'll scrape together somebody. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You, you know, obviously... The best women's to and it's not. I don't think it's possible based on what's going to happen at Hell in a Cell. We think at least, but isn't the best women's tag title pro possible? Alexa and Nikki versus Sasha and Bailey at this point. Yeah, like that. That that, that like. There's not a better potential women's tag team title match than that, mm-hmm. or or just like program or match. Like forget about like whatever the match quality will be. Forget about that in terms of. Making it a doing a marquee women's tag title match. That's the match. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Agree. By the uh, way, you, you weren't one of these people that were offended by the Mandy Rose promo on SmackDown, I hope. <laughs> I wouldn't say offended. I'm not. A, no, I'm definitely not offended by it. I did send out a tweet about that. I oh, think I think I it's. See that. Yeah, it's. I'm not offended by it, but I think it's lazy, lazy ass writing. I think they they are doing her a disservice. Her entire character so far has just been, man, I I look better than you, and it's so weak, and it comes across so flat. And I think she's capable of so much more. I, I just think it, I think it's I think it's tone yeah. deaf in 2019 to present that that angle too. I'd say I don't know if it is because like to me, you know, the baby face, it's just, you know, again, you're right. It it's I will absolutely agree with you that it's just kind of like the low-hanging fruit. It's just like, oh, let's have her insult her looks and then just and then Nikki gets revenge for that. I mean, you know, I just think that you know, that they want they had a week basically <laughs> to kind of try to stimulate some interest in this match and that's what they went with but i mean i don't know to me it's just insulting people is a history of it in, in but that, that, that has been her entire character for the most part since she's i been agree that there's been that's no, why it's again, lazy yeah yeah in terms of the depth of manny I, I continually i have said this before i think i talked about it actually on the show it was just justin and i whatever that was i am stunned that mandy rose is not higher in the pecking order mm-hmm. i'd love to know why that is well going into mania for a period of time it looked like she was maybe going to get the smackdown women's title and then they shifted yeah, gears then on that, it, they mixed that and then it just kind of seems like she's sort of in, and they they've multiple times teased a potential breakup with her and sonia and then that goes gets dropped mm-hmm. um and then they Apparently, at one point, you know, if you listen to some people were teasing that they were going to, like, be lovers or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't, I, I think they just don't know what to do with them. This was the tweet I sent out on Tuesday. I said, are they ever going to give Mandy more of a character than just, quote, I look better than you? Because it's super lazy writing and, frankly, nauseating. It'd be one thing if it was just part of her character, but it's literally the entirety. I'll, 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 I'll co-sign that tweet. Yeah. And I don't, first of all, I want to know why your tweets aren't showing up on my timeline. <laughs> I have no idea. You need to interact more. Although you did like one of my tweets earlier today, so that can't be the reason. Was it about that silly bears kicker that you now, like, want to marry? <laughs> I have already married him. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, it was the uh, King of the Ring 97 tweet, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I just think it's lazy writing. I, I'm, not, I'm not offended by it, but I will say, as a father of girls, um, rarely do my little girls watch wrestling with me, but I am covering SmackDown for comic books, so I had it on. Uh, near them on Tuesday night. I usually go to a different area of the house, but they were they were all together, and so they were wife, like, "I hope that Nikki gets revenge on Sunday night." Right? That's what they said. Well, so my my three year old, she can kind of now like start to grasp what's going on. And I will say, it made me a little uncomfortable because I'm trying to like raise my daughter in a way that she, looks aren't everything kind of thing. You know, I don't want her to be that kind of mean girl. And of course the very brief period of the show that she was watching was that Mandy Rose section. And I looked at my wife and she was like, really? And I'm like, yeah, this is crap. <laughs> this is, this is crappy writing. And so then I was really emphasizing to my daughter, like, Oh, she's a mean girl. We don't talk like that to people, you know, kind of thing. And well, it was, she's a heel. It was, it was yeah, I know, but it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. She's and that's not something they need to be doing. It's I, it's tone I, deaf at, at this moment in time, politically, culturally, and it's just it's really really effing lazy writing. Whoever I'll wrote that, I'll co-sign the lazy terrible. writing. I, yeah. I think it was it's 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 been a part of wrestling well. again I, again though. But it's it's not one promo. It's literally every promo she's done for nine months. <laughs> it's just yeah. It, it was just so weird bad. how people picked up on that. Oh my god, how can you allow this? Like like the it, like they, they were people were referring to it as lazy. They were like that was just offensive. You can't do that. And yeah. I yeah. No, to me it's lazy. Yeah. Okay. La- it was more lazy than it was offensive. Okay. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Glad we cleared that up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then we go on to the IC title match. Kyle, always your favorite performer, Shinsuke Nakamura, defending the IC title against the Miz. It is tape. Yeah, The Miz with Sami Zayn. We've got Nakamura retaining, obviously, the Miz effect, or the uh, Sami Zayn effect, distracting The Miz. What would you make of this one? So, I gotta say that this was definitely towards the bottom of matches I was looking forward to on the show, and I think it was much better than I expected. I was gonna ask you, should this have been on the pre-show instead of the AJ-Cedric Alexander match? No, not no. that it matters that much, but no, um, I, I just think, you know, God bless Cedric. I love him, but he's not as over as these two guys with the audience, mm-hmm. even though I think, you know, Nakamura, you know, of course, as you facetiously pointed out, I am a <laughs> big, uh, phones it in. yes, he phones it. In. Yes. That's what I was trying to find the words. Thank you. Uh, this was a cold title program going in Miz, who I still like, uh, I, Honestly, booking wise, is probably about as cold as he's been in four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the ship sailed on Nakamura last year, in my opinion. Now, despite Miz uh, being cold due to the booking, because he turned babyface and he loses a lot. You know, he's a natural heel. We know that. But man, he's over as a babyface despite this bad booking, and that says something to me. 
You know, there's a lot of baby faces in this promotion that aren't booked well, and the crowd gives up on them. The crowd was into Miz mm-hmm. here. They wanted him to win, by God. Uh, Sammy, this is where I want to talk, and I wish Justin was like, I feel Justin is a guy who I, I would really like to rap about this. This Nakamura-Sammy pairing, and how Sammy is now essentially a mouthpiece for Nakamura. And it's funny if you know WWE or you think you know WWE, I should say. You can see why this pairing was made. You know, Nakamura, what's, you know, because of the language barrier, what's his weakness? Promos. Mm-hmm. Sami Zayn, they, you know, I, I think because he delivered a lot of Vince speak well earlier in the year, I think they have confidence in him cutting promos, but he's never been a guy who's been seriously pushed as a wrestler high on the card. And obviously there's some people are going to have a big problem with that. Um, but I wasn't surprised Nakamura won here because they've kind of got this new pairing going. But what is your opinion on the Nakamura Sammy pairing and how Sammy is essentially a mouthpiece now? Uh, like you, I understand it because Sammy is great on the mic. He's been one of the best, Ever he since got he heat. came back, he's been really he good. Got Mike. He got heat. He got more heat than you know Leo Rush doing the same thing. Yeah, and we talked about how one of the big problems with Nakamura early in his main roster run was that they were forcing him to cut promos, and they were just not good. Obviously, mm-hmm. just because of the language barrier, and I just didn't feel like that was a situation they should have put him in. Not everyone needs to talk. He could have just mm-hmm. came out and kicked ass, and that was that. But they wanted to make him talk, and I think that was a detriment to him. So it makes sense to put him with Sammy because Sammy is so good on the mic. I, I do feel like they could do a lot more with Sammy Zayn, but it, it makes sense. I don't have a big problem with it if it's it's a short-term thing. You know, you, you obviously don't want Sami Zayn just to be a mouthpiece long term, um, but eventually, you would think it turns into a match between the two of them. And you know, I could see that you're right. And you know, we've seen them work matches before that were very, very good. Obviously, so. yes. Yeah, Nakamura's, Nakamura's one great match. I mean, <laughs> his first one, in, right? In, yeah, in, in, in his entire WWE under the entire WWE umbrella has. Well, one great match was against Sami Zayn, his first one. Yeah, yeah. So, so if we get to see that match again, hey, I'm I'm all for it. I could see somebody being like, "What are we going to do with this Nakamura at this point?" Oh, well, we could, you know, maybe we could recreate that magic if we, we build to it. Um, somebody tweeted, and I completely agree with this. This is the proper read. It's a it's a centrist uh, kind of take, and I know centrism is certainly fallen out of favor in 2019 as oh, it should. Kyle likes a centrist. Oh. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, but uh, I'll try not to have my memory go on this one. Um, but, you know, <laughs> so what an insider. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the tweet was that the, he was torn on saving this role because A, he's doing it very well. But B, is it the best use of Sami Zayn? And I think that's the conflict that we're going to kind of evaluate moving forward. Again, though, not to be grandpa. I want to remind people of something. Roddy Piper. Remember him? Pretty big name in the history of this industry. Looking at a framed magazine of him on my office wall right now. He was brought into this company as a mouthpiece in 1984. Mm, Yes. Was brought in as a manager. They thought he was too small. (laughs) Talked his way into the main events. A few months later, he's had like WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. 
manager, Roddy Piper. So it's not an insult. Check that at the door. It's if if he does a good job with it, it will only further his standing in the company. Because they obviously love him on promos. Because you know, you know, you remember those promos he was cutting after Mania when he came back. That was such Vince speak. Like what he like the st- stuff he was saying about the fans. Yeah, and he supposedly was winging it on a lot of those. That he oh, well, uh, he had freedom to kind of say whatever he wanted. Okay, but like it was stuff that like you knew Vince loved. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so that's the thing. If if it's that's the thing. It's like you got to do something to get noticed. And if he can be. You know, God bless him. He's a good worker, but he's not so great that he's like leaps and bounds above other guys on this roster. Mm. But if he can be like we talked about with Alexa, if he could be like a top five guy in the promotion in promos consistently, even higher, maybe that's better off for him than just, you know, having these ho hum matches where he wins a few, loses a few. Yeah, that's a better spot for him. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Let's let's be objective, folks. Come on, use your brain. That's what we do best on this program, Kyle. Yes, objectivity. Don't root 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 for the home team. Set your biases aside. <laughs> Understand what you're watching. Yes. And objectively, the Raw Women's Title match was the best match of the show. That's a fucking transition for you. <laughs> That's why they pay me the big bucks. Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch. Really, really good match. Kyle, did you see the Sasha Banks WWE Chronicle yet, by the way? I have not. It was on in the background as we started, and then WWE Network had some sort of issue, and it's off. So mm. Those are always very good. Yeah. I haven't, I've seen a little bit of it, but not the whole thing yet. So looking forward to it. Heard a lot of positive things on it. But uh, yeah, so I was expecting a title change here. We didn't get that. But uh, we did get a referee going down for the longest possible time ever from taking a chair shot to the side. <laughs> he, he was down a long time from that one, and that ended up playing into the finish. But uh, they had a, had a good match. Sasha Banks, as far as ring rust goes, not seeing a lot of it. She looked good in this match. Yeah, um, and that tag match was... I saw some people were, like, you know, doing cartwheels over that tag match on Raw. Mm-hmm. The horse would... T- I, I, I wouldn't go that far, but it was good. That's why, so when I was, we were doing that preview on comicbook.com for match of the night, and I was going back and forth between this one and that tag match. I ended up going with the tag match because I thought, ah, Banks has mostly been out of out of action for a long time, so I'll go with the safe bet, but she looked really good in this match. No, I'm sorry. I was talking about the ta- the four horsewomen tag match from Raw. No, 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 no. no. Oh, I, okay. I know. I'm just saying oh, okay. as far as like how good that was, it was, it was, okay. it was good, but uh, other than that, you know, Banks hasn't had... We don't know mm-hmm. what she's been doing at the performance center and stuff, but I didn't know how she'd do in the singles environment. So I was really kind of stressing which is going to be the better match. And I went with the tag match thinking maybe Banks would have some rust, but no rust at all here. In, in the big singles match pay-per-view environment, I thought she came through really good. Her character's really fresh right now. I mean, the absence, say what you want about it, but it, it definitely helped her character. Yes! And uh, we yes. talk a lot about that on the program, too. Cool. Like, these guys don't need to be everyone on TV all the time. Everyone benefits from, you know, being off TV. Yeah. Every, the well, or, or sticking up for themselves. Revival. Look where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. Sasha Banks. Look where she's at right now. Luke Harper, spoiler, we're going to talk about this a little bit, made his return tonight. Yeah. Was more over than he would have been had he been wrestling regularly over the last several months, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So let's just be clear for people if they're just listening, 
I don't think there's many people that fall in this camp, but there could be some. If you're listening to this podcast, haven't watched the pay-per-view, don't know what happened. Um, it went to a non-finish. Um, you know, Ryan referenced the ref bump, and they sort of about, you know, it was just sort of a, a, a matter-of-fact Michael Cole. Well, yeah, well, the refs, I, I've been told it was a disqualification. He said it like 10 minutes after the fact, after they did like a brawl into the crowd, up into the concession area. <laughs> Which was kind of odd, I, I, you know, and the live crowd didn't, you know, I, I, I'm interested to know when the live crowd realized that the match was over. Because yeah. I, I think they did that to kind of, you know, not get a negative reaction from the live crowd. Because, again, modern crowds have been conditioned to think non-finishes are shit. Which sometimes they can be, but not always. And I'm going to talk about this one in particular right now. Now, what made this match work ultimately was... It was the again. It was the one title match that people were really looking forward to. That it had. This was the one match that had that big match feel to it, in my opinion. Yeah. As far as the title, it, it just like it felt new. It felt fresh. It felt like a big deal. And eh, who's gonna win? You know. And it's like one of those deals where you know people really like Becky. So even though it's logical for Sasha to maybe win the title, they don't want to see that. You know, that's a good ba- a sign of a good baby face where people want the baby face to win. You know, and. Even though logic maybe dictates otherwise, you know, so, um, you know what match I watched earlier this week? It was a match from a a September pay-per-view. And when this was over, it totally reminded me of, can you Um, guess? Um, September pay-per-view, like from the nineties. Yep. Um, not ground zero. Yep. It was ground zero. Yep. This totally reminded me of Ground Zero in the way. Now it wasn't as good as Michael's Taker at Ground Zero. That was the one that first came to mind, but it was not. Explain as the connection to me. Okay, it was not as chaotic as Michael's Taker. I mean, I. By the way, when was the last time you watched that match? <sighs> Probably. I think I watched it around in the last five years, maybe about five treat years your, ago. Treat yourself and watch it again. I think actually I watched it right around the time of the launch of the WWE network. Cause I don't think I'd ever seen that full show. Okay. Um, you know, obviously the hell in the cell match is one of the greatest matches in company history. Ground mm-hmm. Zero's damn good match is set up. One of the greatest matches in company history. And how ironic that I think that this particular September match here in 2019 is going to set up a hell in a cell match clearly based on, um, you know, kind of, it was okay. It was, again, it was kind of chaotic. You have the ref getting hit, you know, they brawl into the crowd. I think you're putting these two in the cell uh, next month. Um, and I, I think the non-finish, I don't mind it here. This is one of those deals where, you know, sometimes not, you know, the Kofi Orton deal last month, I kind of thought was shit. Um, I thought, you know, going back to last year, there was, I think at a SummerSlam as well, uh, AJ and Joe were, a non-finish was fine. This was a not a fine non-finish, in my opinion, because it clearly the people there's an appetite for a rematch, and it was the chaotic nature of how it ended leads itself to the gimmick, mm-hmm. where it's not help. It's it's October. We got to find two, you know, some random feud to throw in a cell. It's actually logical now that you would put these two in a cell. In my opinion, maybe that's not the plan, but man, um, based on what next month's pay-per-view is called and how this finished, I I would absolutely put these two hell in a cell uh, next month. And that that was a question, by the way, I had going into the show. Will these two work hell in a cell next month? Um, I think um, 
I think they should. Probably will. Kyle, uh, you're whetting my appetite for some future Top Rope Nation classics over on Patreon. In your house, Ground Zero. In your house, Bad Blood. I think we yeah. need to do. We need to do Got one it. of them in the coming yeah. months. Yeah, that, well, it'll be fun to talk about the main events of the show. The, the undercard's not so much. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as far as the non-finish, getting back to that, you couldn't beat Sasha in this match. Now, again, we yeah. talked about with Bailey. You can't beat her right if she turns heel. You can't beat Sasha right if she comes back. Right. So, you know, it's a deal where either you do a non-finish or you have Sasha go over. Um, now, I, I think there's going to be just as much intrigue going to that Hell in a Cell match. Who wins? You know, it, a lot of... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. We're going to talk about Kofi and Orton in a little bit. I don't know if making that a multi-show feud added any intrigue. In my opinion, this one did. Mm -hmm. I think I actually thought the second time Banks got the bank statement on, I thought they might do the whole, like, Becky passes out finish or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, there were a couple times I bought a finish in this, for sure. Yeah. So... Just in case you didn't see it, Sasha kind of paid homage to uh, Eddie Guerrero by the doing the old spot where she throws one chair in the ring. The ref is distracted, getting that chair out of there, and then she brings in her own chair. Um, but eventually, Becky accidentally used the chair to hit the referee. Sasha dodged it. She takes out the referee, and so then they brawled through the crowd up under the concourse, and in the end, that ended up being the finish because then they go back and they say, uh, Becky is disqualified because she hit the official with the chair. So it's a way to keep Sasha strong without losing, but she doesn't get the title yet. Yeah. um, Cool stuff with the chair, too, based on how the feud kind of started. Yeah. You know, with, with, with Sasha, you know, beating her down with the chair. I think they sold the importance. This is kind of nerdy psychological type stuff, but I thought Sasha sold the involvement of the chair quite well when Becky got a hold of it. Mm. And she's like, Oh no. Oh no, 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 not me. You can't hit me. I hit you. That was okay. But no, you can't hit me. That that's that's good heel work right there. Yeah. So to and me, we talk- yeah, this was the highlight of the show. Yeah, it was. We talked about this years ago when we first started the show. Sasha Banks, the boss, that's a heel character. Mm. So I expect her to do some of her better character work, um, you know, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kofi, hopefully, it would look like the feud with Randy Orton has concluded. Now, I, I have enjoyed it more than I thought I would, and uh, I even enjoyed them recreating the MSG spot. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of pe- predictable. Yeah, it was predictable. Some people were bashing it, but I thought it was enjoyable. I I, lo- I loved, and we've talked about this on the show, how they drew back to what happened in 2009. I thought that was good. Um, but it's time for this feud to be over. Kingston won. They got 20 minutes. Uh, it was a long Too match. Long. And uh, they kind of lost the crowd. At this point, the crowd started getting out of the show, I thought. And yeah, Banks and Lynch, they were into that one. But here, the crowd started getting a little disinterested. Kofi won clean, though, uh, following the trouble in paradise. And so you would think that's kind of the end of it here with Randy Orton, but we shall see. Okay. Becky and Sasha was a grudge match, right? Mm-hmm. They worked it like a grudge match. Uh, match we're going to talk about next, Roman Reigns, Eric Rowan. was a grudge match. And it was worked like a grudge match. This was a grudge match. And it was not worked like a grudge match. It was... <laughs> I hate to go all Dave Meltzer on you. It was a Randy Orton match <laughs> in, in that it was 
technically sound, I guess, but I, I felt like it was a match where like you get less and less emotionally invested as it goes on, mm-hmm. which is not good. Obviously, uh, you know, it's funny. You said 20 minutes. Um, I didn't even know it was that long, but that was, it was too long. That's too long. Almost 21, 20 minutes and 50 seconds. So, uh, the absolute highlight of this whole match came in the second after it ended where Tom Phillips exclaimed, and this may be his greatest line ever. Who's stupid now. (laughs) I thought that was incredible work from Tom Phillips. Uh, you know, kind of, you know, the whole feud, uh, what it was based around Orton's comments Mm. and, you know, Kofi winning here. So, okay. The program I do think is over. I was surprised by the number of people who thought Randy Orton was going to get a win here. Yeah, on Twitter. No Did you see it? I, I just, yeah. I just think. Look, I'm not saying like again, despite what I just said about Orton, how you know he can have these vanilla blah matches. I, you know, at the same time, he's very over when used kind of sporadically. Like, again, he took a lot of time off before this feud. Um, I just, it, there's just, it would have to be a real special circumstance for you to talk me into Randy Orton as a world champion at this stage of the game, mm-hmm. even. With, I, I just don't co-sign that whatsoever. So here's the key, though. So program we think is over. Now that it is, that we can maybe start to evaluate it in its proper context. I think the key question, Ryan Drosty, is, did extending this program to two, and I, I thought there was a chance it even could go three. Think, hopefully it doesn't. Um, two, two matches. Did that make it better or worse? Because, mm. you, you know, Orton was definitely more over than he was at the start of the program. Mm-hmm. But was that at the expense of Kofi? Because yeah, people, I think I would say worse on the, on the surface here. People were definitely, and you heard a little bit of it um, during this match. People were definitely cheering Orton during a lot of the confrontations on TV building up to this. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of think that undermined Kofi as a baby face a little bit. And keep in mind, folks, I, I've said this before, and it's still true here on September 15th, 2019, almost September 16th, 2019, as I look at the clock, um, at least Eastern time. I've got I've got this problem with how Kofi's title run has been framed with this whole needs to be legitimized. Wrong, wrong, wrong. It was legitimized at WrestleMania when he was the most over babyface on that show and the people wanted him in that position. So this whole thing where, like, you know, you've had these heels like, oh, you know, this is just a fluky run. You know, you're not a legit champ. And, you know, I'm going to end this dream. I just think you're undermining him with that stuff. Mm-hmm. People wanted him in that position. Um, and now that, you know, he beat Randy Orton, I, I just kind of thought it was ho-hum, to be honest with you, how he beat him. I I think if he had just beaten him now, there's the question, then, because this is what WWE will come at you with. Well, what would you have done, smartass, for September? I don't know. Okay? I don't know offhand. What I would Had you just had Kofi beat Randy Orton at SummerSlam? I don't know what the next option would have been. But I could tell you you have a pretty big roster. And yeah. you probably could have put, you know, you could have microwaved somebody. Yeah, we... We uh, bashed on our SummerSlam post show. You can check that out in the archives. The finish to the Kofi Orton match on SummerSlam. Because I think it was... They kind of turned the crowd against Kofi in that. Um, because it was kind of confusing the live crowd. There were people chanting Kofi stupid. Yeah, because... Well, I don't think a lot of the people there live... We knew on TV because they talked about it. I don't think a lot of the people there live realized that 
what was going on with Kofi's family and that it was his family and that was part of the reason for that count out finish and everything. I don't think that the live crowd really knew and he just kind of came off like a dummy. And so I think that set the feud on a poor course. And so I would say that because of that finish, which derailed it, um, two matches weakened him in the long run. I think going into SummerSlam, I was high on the feud and Orton was fresh and it was good. Yeah, they did a good job. They had those great video packages. Yeah. And I, I I just think in retro, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty and all, I think this should have just been a because neither match was that good either. Mm-hmm. I actually thought the SummerSlam match was kind of bad. And, and this was average at best. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just think that and I just never again, I just never bought Orton as winning. Yeah, no. Same. And that, that's you know that's the thing. So um, this could have been this probably should have been combined to to one show. Yeah, I agree. One big match, buffed all out. So yeah, um, go ahead. It, I know that we are living in a wild card era, at least temporarily. That's going to end. I know why they didn't do it and may never do it, but to me, when the rot, I think I mentioned this post draft the. One money match the SmackDown roster had, quote unquote SmackDown roster, was Kofi versus Roman Reigns. If you want to do a true big time main event world title match, that was it. And I know why they're not going to do it, because it's going to put Roman in kind of this unfavorable spot mm-hmm. where he might get booed again. Yeah. But man, to me, you know, to me, it's just all about that bit. You know, we talked about with Sasha and Becky. That big fight atmosphere. And that's a match that could create a big fight atmosphere. It hasn't been done. You know, think of how many matches. I mean, like, you know, there, there aren't a lot of matches big time that haven't been done in this promotion. Yeah. That hasn't been done. Yeah. That's true. Well, Eric Rowan getting a big win. <laughs> <laughs> if I would have told you five. Three months ago, Eric Rowan will pin Roman Reigns on a <laughs> WWE pay-per-view. Your thoughts, Ryan Drosty? <laughs> I mean, if you think Roman Reigns is overpushed, exhibit uh, Z I mean, here. Can, yeah, I mean, can you believe people? I mean, there's probably going to be so you Roman shoved on our throats. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to mention here right off the bat, Dave Meltzer not having a good few weeks because it was just, what was it, Friday on Observer Radio? He said that, Harper probably not going to be used on WWE television again, that they're going to make him uh, set out, sit out his contract. And I know that because I was assigned an article to write about this, and I, I covered Dave's comments and spun that into a news story about we might not see Harper again on WWE television. Turns out Dave was completely wrong, and uh, he's been wrong about some other stories in recent weeks. And so Dave not having a good week, but uh, the crowd popped when Luke Harper appeared at the finish of this one. And... Uh, Helped Rowan get the victory over Rowan Re- Roman Reigns and uh, reunited the Bludgeon Brothers. So, what did you think of seeing Luke Harper again? It was cool. Again, you know, absence makes heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys come back off TV after not being on TV for a while. They're all, they're as over as they they'll be. You know, I mean, my guess is, you know, two months from now, Luke Harper will be less over than he is. You know, this week on television, but whatever. Um, Eric Rowan is now getting the, you really have to see him in person to understand how big he is treatment. That was an old Jim Ross favorite. I think he always used for Albert. 
Mm. When like, you know, like that was like the thing. It's like, well, we don't really know how else to get him over. So it's like, folks, you just got to buy a ticket to see how big this guy is. Remember, I think it was Albert that he always would say that about. Yeah. Um, it was work like a grudge match, which was good. A lot of brawling uh, in the crowd. Uh, what did you for Eric Rowan's first big singles match on pay-per-view? Uh, we're not going to count the rock thing at WrestleMania 32, obviously. Did you think this was a good performance from him? Uh, no, nah, it was average, pretty average. Okay. I didn't think it was bad. Um, I'm glad they gave was his, it better his new than theme you, song it, is very good. I like his was new it theme better song. than you expected his performance. I thought his presentation was good. I wouldn't say better than expected. I, I I think that's too strong. I thought it was it was about what I expected. Okay, they, we we don't know where this story is going necessarily with Daniel Bryan. Um, you know what that whole relationship's going to be. But you know, do you think Rowan is there justification for him to go over the alleged top babyface in the company, Roman Reigns? Like, what do you think about Eric Rowan pinning Roman Reigns uh, in a big one-on-one match? I mean, if they're attempting to construct heels that could potentially challenge for the title, I think it's fine. Okay. Um, I think they're soft on that side. But it was, the narrative- it, was do- it was done in a way that I think was all right. You introduce Harper back into the fold. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, you're right. I mean, there was interference, so I guess it didn't really... Um, hurt Roman mm-hmm. aside from the fact that I still, I look, I'm going to make the comment right here. here. Roman Reigns loses too much folks. Yeah. Lost. Sh- I, I had less of a problem with this than I did Shane McMahon though. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Still can't believe that, you know, the guy who was allegedly pushed down our throats lost a shit and didn't get a proper receipt. Other than being <laughs> that on the winning, is freaking amazing. It is other than being on the winning team with you know as one half of the your, the graveyard dogs when the Undertaker <laughs> yeah. to come back and get the win. <laughs> that mm. is pretty mind boggling. Yeah, anytime anyone tells you Roman Reigns is over pushed and pushed down your throats, bring up the Shane McMahon factor. <laughs> I just wish that one day I could be half as selfless as Roman Reigns, and John Cena, are every day of their lives. Oh. Here's one thing I will say, and I don't know Personal if this goals. Sh- I don't know if the, I don't know if this showed up on your Twitter feed, Kyle, but uh, I was seeing some people say, uh, "Reunite the Wyatt family." Please do not reunite the Wyatt family. There's no way they could get these guys into obscurity faster and ruin what's going on with the fiend than reuniting the Wyatt family. In my yeah, opinion. it just feels like old hat. Yeah, do not I did do see that. A few people. So I I saw. Somebody was saying it was during the main event, which we're obviously going to get to here in a bit, um, that why it should cost Rollins the title and they could reunite the, you know, Strowman's the champ. They, I, I no, I disagree with that. Mm, no way. Would not like that at all. I think the Fiend is a character that just needs to be on his own. Yes. It's it just we've been there, done that with the yeah. Wyatt family. Yeah. It, it, it happened. It was very good at times and it played out. So let's just get to this main event then. So Rollins and Strowman in action started the show on pay-per-view at least closed the show together. I thought this match fell really flat in front of the live crowd. Crowd was not into it really at all. And Uh, there was some booing of Seth Rollins down the home stretch. You heard the boos (laughs) to quote Vince McMahon. 
<laughs> Which, by the way, is one of my favorite Vince commentary bits <laughs> the post Brett Steve Austin Mania 13 when he he looks at Jim Ross he goes you heard the booze yeah God, emphasizing that double turn Vince McMahon yes yeah. um I'm in awe of Vince K. McMahon sometimes <laughs> yeah this one was uh was not good I did not particularly enjoy it but I I will say maybe not good is is too harsh but it was yeah it wasn't good <laughs> okay <laughs> okay the effort was there uh, let's yeah. say that the effort was there. The emotion wasn't. I think that's the way to. It's just not one I was looking forward to. So it was going to be hard to win me over anyways. Uh, and I guess the story at the end is Rollins couldn't pin him with the curb stomps. He ends up hitting a pedigree, you know, going back a little ways to when that was his finish for a while. And we all then, we all know the pedigree could finish off anybody. Then hits another curb stomp, gets the victory. And uh, after he celebrates, we get the appearance of the fiend, which the crowd popped huge for. Was a cool moment to end the show, um, but overall, the match not so memorable. The close of the pay per view pretty memorable, I thought. Okay, two things to discuss. Uh, number one, Braun Strowman. Oof. Um, we talked about this at this time last year. You can go and check out the archives, listen to our shows from this time last year. We, uh, you know, I was very adamant at that time. You can't put Braun Strowman in world title situations if he's going. You, you shouldn't put him in world title situations at all. But if you do, they certainly shouldn't be ones where he's going to ultimately be unsuccessful. This was bad from Braun Strowman's perspective. I, I mean, do they just not give a fuck about him anymore? Ever since the ill-advised heel turn. <laughs> well, the... I knew you were going to go back to I don't think it was so much that. I just think it was, you know what hurt him more? Was losing to Brock again at the Saudi Arabia show. The best in the world. That, yeah, like that it... did. I think he was off the rails before that, though. I think I think before that heel turn out of nowhere, he was pretty hot for well, a yes, while. As the, as the special attraction. Yeah, no, I'm not saying as he the needed ba- to be yeah. champion, but... Yeah. Um, no, he lost be. all momentum at that point, and they've never recaptured it. No, they haven't. I mean, he's had a really bad last year. And it's one thing if, like, you're having, like, Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley and, like, 800 other people, like, hit him with chairs, and that's how he loses. It's another thing if he's losing clean to a baby face. Like, mm-hmm. what the – like, like three months from now when Michael Cole is, like, screaming, he's a monster among men, and it's playing to diminished returns, don't complain to me. Okay. Again, he he needs to be in that Andre Undertaker role, the special attraction babyface who's second from the top below the champion. Mm-hmm. He should not he should not be in world title situations where he's going to be unsuccessful. Really, that hurts any babyface. But if it's a special attraction big guy like Braun, it's real bad. And I'll be honest. And you know, the other issue now we got to pivot to <laughs> sure seemed like the crowd didn't want Seth Rollins to win this match. They gotta go with if it looks like so it's gonna be Wyatt and Rollins yeah, and Hell in a Cell match. I mean, because yeah, they said. I mean, Wyatt had already uh, had been confirmed as yeah. challenging. I think they even confirmed it on TV. Yeah, so uh, I think they gotta go with him as champ. So yes, that's the thing. It is gonna take one. I, I would love to hear from Justin Joint. You know, you two are the you know fellow statesmen of, of Seth Rollins, and you know Justin loves to always bring up that Iowa pride. It'll. I'll tell you what. It's going to take a lot more in Iowa pride to convince me that Seth Rollins should be going over 
Wyatt in Hell in a Cell. And man, I think that crowd reaction is going to be interesting because I think the crowd wants that title change. Yeah. Wants it. Well, I don't think you get anyone cheered against Wyatt right now. Would, would they cheer it. anyone against him? No. And what does it show again, Ryan Drosky? What have I said Absence several times? makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah, it is the perfect use of Bray Wyatt because his strength, again, be different, folks. Okay? You know, yes, it's great that, you know, 85% of this roster can hit all the check marks that Dave Melter looks for in his matches where he assigns high star ratings. Okay? It's nice that they can do that. But do you stand out? Bray Wyatt, character work-wise, stands out. Well, I sure hope they don't blow it because they got something on their hands here. This you is... cannot be. You, you cannot have him lose to Seth Rollins. No, absolutely not. You, you, you just can't. I mean, it just. I, I don't know. This was a terrible. I, I'll be honest with you. You know, Seth is you know a guy who. Let's be honest, and and you said it. I'll give you credit. You talked about it on our Summer Sam Post show. If Seth doesn't get over, it ain't WWE's fault. They had him beat Brock Lesnar twice in a year. They didn't have again the shoved down our throats. Roman Reigns never got to do that. Two clean victories on the two biggest shows of the year. Yeah, so you have that. You, Seth Rollins is a very highly pushed guy, and we talk about people who, you know, relative. You know how relative to their ceiling is their booking. You know, there aren't a lot. You know, I, I think the the narrative with WWE is the majority of their performers, like over half of them probably are booked as well as they should be. Right. Everyone's, Oh my God, this guy should be so much better. Right. We hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, can you make that argument with Seth? I feel he's like one of those guys where it's like, you know, the way he, he's booked pretty damn strong. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I guess, I I guess to play devil's advocate, you could say he hasn't had the strongest challengers. Yeah. The Corbin thing didn't help. Okay, we're not going to sit here and sugarcoat that. <laughs> it wasn't good, although I think Barry Corbin's been doing excellent work in this King of the Ring. Um, I, you know, I just don't think the crowd accepted him as a legit title contender, and that's probably fair. But, um, man, I, I just think that it wasn't a good sign for him tonight. Like, this was not like... Y- y- you can't have a nice, strong feeling about Seth Rollins, the character, coming out of this show. And you can't, you certainly can't about Braun Strowman either. I think this main event, quite frankly, was a complete failure from start to finish. This program, I thought the program uh, was just booking on the fly. I don't think the fact that they were tag team champions coming to the show made me care uh, one uh, whit more about this match. And when it came time for the match, I didn't really care. And I, you know, th- they tried. I'll give them that. I always respect effort. I thought, you know, Braun going off the top rope was a cool deal. Mm-hmm. I think both guys were working hard. People just didn't give a damn. Yeah. Well said. It was uh, it was just kind of there until we got the Wyatt thing. So that's how it concluded. Final match of the show. Uh, final pay-per-view before Fox, as I said. So they'll have a lot of, they should have a lot of mainstream momentum going into Hell in a Cell. So uh, everyone will be talking about NXT as well by that point. Yep. And yep, we've got the big NXT debut on uh, USA coming up this week. So, but yeah, I I expect that smacked on. I mean, so they announced the draft today during football. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, you know, I, that kind of promotion's big. Yeah. That, that that matters a lot more than, you know, the WWE's tweets. <laughs> they can't ask for better promotion than having their product talked about during an NFL game. So Just like Seth Rollins, no excuses. <laughs> WWE, no excuses. You're getting promoted during the National Football League. You better <laughs> damn deliver. And yes. that doesn't mean, you know, Hulk Hogan coming and just, you know, doing a bad tribute act of a, one of his 1988 promos. <laughs> Give me some angles. Yes. Who's hot? Give me something. <laughs> well, this was a hot show, Kyle. This is fun. Uh, I liked it. Always fun talking with you. We'll get Justin back on the program later this week. And guys, if you enjoyed this show, this was episode 115 officially, but we do these kinds of things, you know, wrapping up the pay-per-views within 24 hours of the end of the show. Plus, as I talked about, our exclusive classic shows. If you like this kind of thing, if you enjoyed the show, check us out on Patreon. Sign up for a month. Give it a try. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. You can hear all the archives during that month. We'll send you a free gift in the mail. You can get all the details over on our Patreon page. But uh, hope you guys enjoyed this broadcast, whether you're listening late Sunday night or on the way to work or even at work on Monday. Um, Kyle, I'm sure you'll be listening back while you work on Monday just to check out your performance, give it a star rating. I might go for a fucking walk in the woods on Monday morning based on how I did with the football picks this weekend. (laughs) Holy fucking hell. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, as always. Usually we don't put these shows on the weekends. But... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is this is the bonus show put out to the world, usually for Patreon, but uh, we're giving it to everyone this week since we didn't put out the usual Thursday show, so or a Friday show, I should say. And uh, hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with episode 116 this Friday. I believe Justin Joint will be in the house, so uh, the triumvirate will be complete once again. Looking forward to getting Triple his threat. takes. Uh, and I am sure we will be talking about NXT in a big way uh, coming off of their debut on the USA Network this Wednesday night. Any parting comments, Kyle? No. No, I don't have any parting comments. I think that pretty much says it all. Um, I I would say, if you're listening and you like the show, I didn't mention this earlier, but I always say it. I'm not just running through the lines, though, guys. It really means a lot if you can leave us a five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, uh, or subscribing. Better yet, subscribe on iTunes if you like the show. Leave us an actual text review. We'll le- we'll, we will read it on the air, and uh, it just helps our exposure. The more five-star ratings we can get on Apple Podcasts and the other platforms, the better. You can follow us on Twitter, at Top Robe Nation. Uh, you can search us in the search bar on Facebook. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram at Top Rope Nation. You can follow, follow Kyle on Twitter at TRP Kyle. And I am at Ryan Droste. That's D R O S T E. And until then, drop us a line, topropenation at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show, whatever's on your mind. Uh, we will read your emails on the air come the end of this week with episode 116. So until then, I'm Ryan Drosty, here for Kyle Ross. Check you guys next time. Peace.